and welcome to episode number 82 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. First and foremost, Russ, do you have an 82? Marty Straka, is there another 82? Wow. Like, come on. He did his homework for the first time ever. All right, <laughs> pretend we're doing episode number 36. Do you have a 36? No. Nah. Our guest, Matt Come Barnaby. On. Come on, number 36. I know. I said that on purpose. Oh, He's got the logo and everything. I can't let it, you know. <laughs> uh, can't let it get to his head. Our guest today, a, uh, a veteran of 834 NHL games with the Sabres, who he spent most of his time with, the Penguins, the Lightning, the Rangers, the Avalanche, the Blackhawks, and the Dallas Stars. Matthew Barnaby joins us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Matthew, how are you? I'm good. It would have been a lot shorter if you listed the teams I uh, – didn't play for it probably would have went a little quicker but i do love straka 82 play with him in pittsburgh yeah. awesome dude awesome yeah. player man anywhere straka was yager was oh <laughs> you know what all those guys robert lang they knew where their bread was buttered oh yeah right on number 68's back yeah uh matthew i've been wanting to get you on for so long because um i've been on radio shows that you've been on you tell great stories we're going to get to a bunch of them because i tell you you were a fearless sob man uh, some of the guys that you took on were in a much different weight class than you were. Um, you got in a lot of fights in your NHL career, a lot of fights. I see teams in, on your fight card that you fought upwards of 13 times against different members of teams over the years. <laughs> How's the fighting feel now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a lot better on a day like today when it's 80 and sunny as opposed to last week when I tried to play a little golf and wake up. Uh, when it was like 45 and a little bit of rain. Trust me, those, those fights kick in uh, to all the joints, the hands, the wrists, the shoulders. Uh, but it's a lot better. I'm, I'm very lucky. I can't complain. Uh, with all the fights I had, I didn't have too many injuries, obviously some concussions. But, yeah, some of those guys were big boys, some tough, tough boys along the way. And uh, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to be able to do it for 15 years. The game's changed dramatically. I, I'd love the afternoon naps. Uh, playing in today's day and age as opposed to when I played. Matt, I am, I've been listening to your show, Matthew Barnaby Unfiltered. Really good show. Really like it. We've worked together before, and I knew you'd be great at radio because you were good on Sirius. But I did happen to catch when you were telling Brian Leach that you and he felt like you, know, you were using up all the plastic tape in the world. I have somebody who could challenge you. Marty Baran. Nobody used more plastic tape than Marty Baran. He is on every soundbite that I have from when he was a flyer and he actually, we, we were talking about it one day. I was trying to find a way to get it recycled because he felt so bad that he was wasting it. And even to this day, you still can't recycle that stuff. He, he's insane with it. You never see a goalie go through that. Like the older players with the skates that they were, and they were leather as opposed to being super light now. And um, like Leach, he used a crap load more than I did. And I used a lot. Uh, the, the young kids now call us benders. If you put yeah. uh, plastic on or any tape on your on your ankles, but yeah, Marty Baron, I played with him for a little bit. Man, he used a crap load of tape. It was embarrassing watching yep. him before the games tape those things up. But a great dude, great guy. Uh, but he's like a goalie. He's he's a little different, a little out there. Well, let's go right there because you played with a great one, but a little different. And uh, Dominic Hasek, all those years in Buffalo and. Uh, you guys had a lot of success, a lot of great playoff series against the Flyers. And, um, you know, some, some of the games I was watching the game during the pause of uh, against the Devils, the one nothing 70 save game. It was Marty or uh, uh, Martin Brodeur versus Dominic Hasek. What a, an affair that was. But he was a bit of an SOB as well. Um, competitive as all hell. 
great player. And had he not been great, he may not have gotten away with the, some of the crap off the ice that he did. What was it like playing with, with a guy like the Dominator? Well, yeah, he, he certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have got away with the crap he did if he wasn't Dominic Kasich. And we always said he could go over to Czechoslovakia, probably shoot someone point, point blank with everyone seeing it and get away with it because he's that's much of a star over in Czechoslovakia. He's the hardest worker I've ever seen uh, from any goaltender I've ever played with. He is the best goaltender, in my opinion, um, that's ever played the game. And I think I can fairly say that because I didn't like him all that much as, as a person. Um, but hockey side, he, he was dominant. I mean, he, he would say to us after, you know, the second period, we'd be down two to one. He was, guys, I don't care how many breakaways you give up, how many two-on-ones, I'll stop them. You just find a way to get a goal or two goals and we'll win this game. And he was, he was dynamic. Uh, yeah, personality-wise, we didn't get along that way. I didn't maybe like the way that he treated some people. Uh, would certainly not have gotten away with it from higher-ups if he wasn't as dominant as he was. But if, if Marty Broder, Patrick Waugh, great goaltenders, um, you certainly make a case for those guys being where they are. Uh, but Dominic Cassidy, I think he has six Vesna trophies. Um, the best I ever seen and gave us, uh, made us a lot more money <laughs> playing with him um, just with his ability to play and advance in the playoffs. So yeah, didn't like him much, but I got to give his kudos. He was that Matt, that um, on Twitter the other day, I, I, I'm lucky I get to vote for the NHL awards and it's really an honor, but the one award I don't love voting for is the lady bang. The other day you wrote on Twitter that it's stupid. Give me an idea of what players think of the lady bang. You guys don't even talk about it. It's kind of like the the trophy that no one no one talks about. It's like I, I don't know why we give an award out for the most gentlemanly player. Um, you know, it's it a sissy it, award. It's it's it, it just doesn't make sense. You know, you have the best of this, the best of that, the best defenseman, best score, top score, best rookie, and then we have a gentlemanly player. It, it just doesn't make sense. And how do you arbitrarily do that? You're picking guys with lots of points with little penalty minutes. I mean. Change, change the dynamic of it or just get rid of it at all. Cause I just think it's a stupid award. And Matt, the, the evolution of the game, um, you know, and you kind of alluded to it right off the jump about, you know, the fighting has not been ruled out completely, but it's been kind of almost bred out of the game. There's more skill and speed in the NHL now more than ever. Well, I'm not, a, I, I'm certainly not an advocate of guys going out there and crushing their skulls anymore, but the, the role that you played, not only were not afraid to drop the gloves and kind of back up where your mouth was, uh, were, was taking you, and, and, you're, and look, you had a big mouth, and, and you backed it up, yep. and you would have to get your gloves off on occasion. But what you provided was something that I think is lacking, and that's storyline. When Matt Barnaby came to town, when Ty Domi came to town, and whatever rink you were in, you knew it, and there was a bullseye on you, and that was storyline. I'm not saying WWE-type stuff because yep. it was real – but that part of the game is lacking. And I think it's, I don't know how you bring it back if it's personality or there's so many hockey nerds out there now that just play hockey and don't have much personality, but damn, the game needs that. Yeah. I, I never want to see it go back to some of the barbaric days we saw in the nineties and the stage fights and just fighting for maybe no reason sometimes and just being an idiot sometimes when the games got out of control. So it's a much safer game for the guys that are playing now. I have a kid that plays and is trying to make his way into the professional ranks. I don't want to see him go back to the 90s. It never will. And you talked about the evolution, weeding it out at the other levels. OHL, you can get two fights. You're suspended for your third one. Then it doubles the next time you get a suspension next fight. So, yeah, we're going to see less and less of it. We're always going to have a little bit of it in the game. 
it's a physical game. We know it's part of the game, or at least, you know, there's a penalty for it, but it's not a, a major penalty in the terms of, you know, sitting out five minutes, that's all you're getting. Um, so I think we'll always have it. I would have loved to play in this era. And I do miss some of the characters. I miss some of the times going into a building and you knew it was going to be a shit show that night. You knew that fans were going to be throwing things at you. And I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. But in the same sense, but it would have been antagonistic, um, hopefully adding to that part of the game. But as a part of it, when I came into cities, to get a storyline going, because it's fun. Got, people, fans like to enjoy something. They, they love to hate the villain on the other team. That's just all a part of it. It's something that I do miss because there's very few of the Brad Marchands out there when he comes to town. He's still a storyline, uh, but there aren't many. And there's not many when we talk about rivalries. Um, it's more about just wins and losses uh, and not about storylines as well. Well, one of those guys is, is Tom Wilson. But what's interesting is pre-draft, I had interviewed him. He played for the Plymouth Whalers. Like, this guy's a great athlete. Like, he was great at the broad jump. He, he's a super athlete. He's got a lot of skill, but he's also great and being an antagonist and great at fighting. And so, like, to me, he's like that modern-day guy that you would probably say, yeah, that's good to have in the game. Oh, absolutely. And he's going to go over the line sometimes. That's just, that's just the, the reality of playing in the way that we do. There, there's a fine line you play with. And I think the older you get, the more mature your game gets and how much you can get away with it and what, what, what is hurting your team. When he signed that contract, I think it's $5 million a year times six years. Uh, everyone, uh, most people, and I must say most people that don't, know the game they just think tom wilson and the big hits and the legal hits they 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 hated that contract i'm like this guy's the best at what he does in the game he's big he can fight your tough guy he's going to keep you on edge and your defensemen are going to know they were in a game with tom wilson at the end especially in the playoffs so he's a big big part of that team and the minutes he can play playing on the top lines um, with what else he does is so massive but for the game He's entertaining. We talk about him a lot because he's a big part of the Washington Capitals, a big part of why they won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and he'll get in guys' heads. He insulates the star players. He does a lot of things, takes a lot of pressure off people that aren't necessarily quantified by stats. Matt, um, a lot of the listeners of this podcast and viewers um, are in the Philadelphia area. Um, you came to Philadelphia, man, guns blazing every time. And I know that was one of the cities that you love to come into and, and put that target on your back. Do you, do you have any memories – of coming to Philadelphia, taking on the Flyers that really stick out? Yeah, I mean, I loved going there because I, I loved rivalries. Um, you know, Broad Street Bullies, and when we played in our era, they had some tough, tough guys, and Barube, and obviously playing against Lindros, you know, that line, the Legion of Doom, was something you had to be ready for. But it was also, it's fun. You want to play against the best players in the world. You, you want to compete against them. You want to piss them off. But I just remember a couple of times going in there and, early on in my career, one of our first playoff series ever, and I didn't even play much in that series, but uh, I just remember the hotel room and people coming by just honking horns all night long, keeping you up. And I was like, <laughs> this is pretty awesome. And I'm on the other end of it. I'm getting earplugs, but this is pretty awesome. That's the passion that you speak of. And I just remember, you know, getting death threats at my hotel when I came into the rank and getting doused with beer as I walk in because the fans on, on the perch over top for the visitors where they come in so I'd always wear a really shitty suit when I came to Philadelphia uh, <laughs> just because I know I'm a 
is getting doused with beer at some point, whether it's before or after the game. Should have wore so, a rain slicker. As much as I, I love, yeah, I, I, I loved it and relished it at the time. Um, you're always kept on edge. You never knew if they were really true and they were going to shoot you from the top row, but the cooler heads prevailed. But uh, just going in there and seeing the passion that they had. I mean, when I talk about hockey, I, I talk about Philadelphia. It's funny that we talked about that today. I was just with Alain Vigneault about uh, an hour ago on the driving range, and he's prepping. He's getting oh, yeah. ready to go back July 5th to Philadelphia and, and make a All run. All right, so here's a Matt Barnaby quote. With all the things that have happened over the years, we can't like each other. It's physically impossible. Do too many players like each other? I, I, I think it takes problem? away from, from the competitiveness. I think it's the social media world yeah. we're in. And, you know, my kids are 22 and 19. They know everyone. They, they, they come to Ottawa and they're already friends with 100 people because of social media. <laughs> you know, they've already, they've already been talking to these people through Instagram and Twitter and they, all, all these different eras. So a lot of these guys now where we are, I think they just get, you know, they, they get along more. And, and whether it's good or bad, I think it does take away from the entertainment point, but the game has changed so much that when I see two guys at the blue line, a red line in between, uh, you know, during, during warmups, talking and laughing and probably talking about the cottage and, you know, what, what they're going to do and what, what jet they're going to buy, whatever it may be, then, you know, we don't, we don't play in an era where that intimidation matters anymore either way. So, you know, I kind of understand it, but social media is where we are and, and uh, where we are in the game. Yeah, and the PA so tight now too. Uh, that, yeah. that plays a, that plays a part in it as well. They're all in the same thing for the same thing, and uh, it's a little bit less uh, vicious than it used to be. First of all, was Elaine hitting them straight today or no? Or did you have to close the? I, uh, I just straighten out the elbow. I, I, yeah, no, he he looks great. By the way, man, he looks. Yeah, he, he looks, looks good. I, he he always looks good. He's James Bond. Yeah. I'm convinced. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't seen him in a while. He was just a lot smaller than I remember last time I I saw him, but. Yeah, well, dressed man, he's uh, he's a funny he's a funny bastard, man. I like I've known Alan a lot of years from when he coached the yeah. Olympics and junior against us in '89, um, '91, those years. Uh, but a great guy. He's excited to get back. Uh, what about Matt? What January. about what's going on with the Sabers? Obviously, they just they just got rid of Jason Botterill even after the vote of confidence, which is always great. Death. Right? Fans have learned to not. Yeah. Yeah, to not believe that vote of confidence. But but they actually don't even have a regular anymore. And Google have pretty much admitted that today. There's no director of hockey ops. It's like, what's going on? It's it's what we call a schmozzle. <laughs> it's in between a debacle and a and a cluster, you know what. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a it's a schmozzle there. It's been a schmozzle for a while, and I know a lot of people that have worked inside the organization, um, have either left or, or let go. There, there, there's there's too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, especially at the top. Yeah. And we have people that are running hockey business, you know, the economic side of it, the business side, but also try to dabble in the hockey side. And I think there has to be, you know, not all these guys that have come in um, are bad coaches or bad GMs. But I think when you don't have full autonomy to do what you want or, you know, this looks good because we need this and optically it's good. I know at the time when they were talking Billy Leno and Christian Ehrhoff coming in on those massive contracts that they had, and you guys know Billy Leno well. Oh, yeah. He was a good player. He had a great year in Philadelphia that year. Yeah. But he was his matchups were against other like five and six D. Yeah. Not not coming to Buffalo 
and seen one in 2D. Right. That's why he scored one goal for $27 million. <laughs> Christian Erhoff was not one that the GM particularly wanted, but the ownership did. So there's so much that's went on there. Uh, I like Kevin Adams a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of jobs I think I can do in the NHL. Jumping in with no real experience to a team that's missed the playoffs nine times in a row with an unbelievably passionate fan base that is pissed off right now. Yeah. I don't like the hire. As much as I like the guy, I don't like the hire. And it's just, uh, again, it's a schmozzle there. Yeah, the other part of that, Matthew, is a couple of years ago, we heard Ryan O'Reilly voice his concerns and sick of the losing. He leaves. He goes to St. Louis. He wins a cup. We hear that same very similar gripe from their star player and Jack Eichel. And that can't be, this is like revision, you know, the same thing happening over again. Not that they're going to trade Jack Eichel or should they, or would they consider it? It'd be foolish not to ever pick up the phone, but this is a really tenuous situation with a good young star player, Jack Eichel. Yeah, it is. And the O'Reilly is, you know, probably the demise of, of Jason Botterill when he goes there, you, you trade him and, Obviously, he goes on. He wins a con smite. I mean, it's a perfect storm for, for the yeah. St. Louis Blues. But he's a, he's a great player. He was a great player when he was in Buffalo. And he voiced his opinion. Just because you voice your opinion that you're sick of losing, I did it in junior, and I got traded about 12 <laughs> hours later. So maybe that's the kiss of death. But I like the honesty. I like Jack Eichel being pissed. If, you, if you're not yeah. pissed about losing, you're a loser. No, he's yeah. a competitor. I tried to it, tell people he is a super competitor. Like, I've seen him before games, after games – he does not like losing, it, and but he's good with the media, but he doesn't like losing. You could see it, and I like a guy like that. It, it wears on you, but, yeah, you want your leader. You want your captain to want to win. You want to be pissed off when, when you're not winning with the organization, not putting the right tools within him. He needs some help. The guy's a star player. They're not trading him. If they trade him, nah. close up the franchise because that no one's going to go back to those games. I mean, he's that popular in Buffalo, and he's that good, and he, he could be a Stanley Cup leader he's really evolved i'd say in the last 18 months especially the last 12 in into a leader that that they're going to follow but he's going to need help around him and again it's it's i'm not blaming jason botterill made a few moves that i wouldn't have done and i wouldn't have done them at the start whoever usually gets the best player in the trade usually has the best trade so when you get guys like sabotka and bergman yeah they add up the packages but you 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 can pick up a sabotka anytime you want you can yeah. pick up a pack, Patrick Berglund anytime you want. And Berglund ran out of there. I mean, let's be he real. Out. He hated yeah. hockey. I mean, he went to Buffalo and saw the Grace guys and the team losing. He was like, ah, you can have my $12 million. I'm, he I'm left money, back. right? <laughs> I've never seen it before. Crazy. Yeah, there's Saboka trees. There's not Ryan O'Reilly trees. And there's not Jack Eichel trees where you can go yeah. pluck another one off there. It just doesn't work like right. that. I, look, I love when we, we can't bitch about hockey players not saying anything. And then when they say something, fry them for it. And, right. and I applaud Jack Eichel for saying, you know, I'm sick of this crap. I want to freaking – I didn't yeah. come here to be a loser. I came here, I want to win. I want to be part of the solution, but no man's going to do it by himself. Matthew, the 2014 playoff field, the NHL ultimately decided to go with the, the play-in situation. We get why. There's economics involved here, and you want to get markets like New York and Chicago and, and Montreal involved for economic reasons, which makes sense. We're not yeah. oblivious to that fact. Um, do, do you like the playoff format? The reseeding, I think, is a big element of that. And the, and the four rounds of best of seven certainly help give the, the Stanley Cup some kind of credibility. Yeah, I mean, the, it's always going to be known as the COVID Cup for us. This is something that none of us has ever been through in our lives. And whether you're 
sports fan or whatever, everything has a new norm. So I think they made the best of a, a bad situation. There's a lot of money. We're talking over a billion dollars lost if it wasn't played. Uh, how do you make that revenue up? You add some big, big markets to the mix for the playoffs or at least the play-ins to try to get there. So, you know, I look at Montreal and Chicago. Are they lucky to be in? Yeah, we know that. We know that they wouldn't have been playoff teams. But I get economically why the NHL, I think they've done a, a great job where it is. I think receding. I like the, the, the play-in being five games. And let's just remember, if you don't play in, if you don't make it past those five games, it's like you didn't make the playoffs. So it's not like all these guys made the playoffs, but they are part of this tournament, uh, this COVID Cup per se. So I think the NHL, I think they've done a really good job. Um, and now I'm just excited to watch some hockey as, as different as it's going to be with no fans in the stands, uh, a couple hub cities. Uh, certainly we all, anyone that watches or just loves to bet or loves to watch sports, it's, it's been UFC and, and golf. So it's going to be nice to get hockey back in that mix and basketball as well for basketball fans out there. But I just know everyone's excited and the players that I've talked to that are in part of the 24 teams, uh, the five or six guys that I've talked to, real, really excited. The guys that are really out of it are the, the teams that are not competing at all. The Ottawa Senators right. guys that I play some golf with, that's that's going to be a long training summer for these guys. Yeah. So, Matt, I've never asked you this, but you get drafted 83rd overall in 92, it looks like. And I kind of wondered, did Buffalo take you too early? Because Yuri Lettinen was on the board, Adrian Coin was on the board. What do you think? I think, I think I went in a good mix, but yeah, Adrian went in the sixth round uh, to Vancouver that year. I think he was out of BU that year. He was my uh, teammate in, uh, he's from Ottawa, my teammate in Pee Wee growing up. Great, great dude. Um, I was surprised with the shot he had that he went that late. Yuri Lettinen, yeah, I probably would have taken Yuri probably a little, uh, if I was Buffalo, probably would have jumped on the Yuri train, played with him in Dallas. <laughs> Just a, a great guy, most one of the most reliable two-way forwards I've ever seen play the game. So, Hey, I, I, I'm happy I went 83rd. I, I thought I was going to go actually higher. I thought I was going to go in the second or third round, but we know it was the Russian invasion and the European invasion then. Yeah. Uh, but I was really happy to hear my name. Probably the greatest moment I've had uh, in my career is hearing your name called on draft day. And Lappy went in the seventh round in that draft. Yeah. Yeah, he had like a he had like 146 points or something that draft year. Credit to him. Him and Rennie Corbet, they, they were like 146 and 150 points. And those guys – you know, a lot of guys say, I'll do anything to make the NHL. And then right. it comes, push comes to shove, especially in the 90s. And are you really willing to do everything <laughs> that it takes? Those guys turn themselves from star offensive players in junior into hardworking, gritty guys that would do anything. And he took a team. shot in the face in the playoffs. Right to the oh, face, I, man. I told him it's, it, it only made him more beautiful. <laughs> that face has been hit more than just that time too let's oh, yeah. uh, he's a beauty no doubt about it um the former masterton winner as well uh matthew um of all the tilts of all the fights over all the years and, and you got some big boys in there you mentioned it who's the one when when you got into the box you may not have shown it in the box that maybe that was not the the, the smartest of moves but had that heaviest hand that you were like oh man that was a tough one yeah it's hurt them all grim Stu Grimson Grim hit Reaper. really hard, and you couldn't my, at my size. I was six feet one ninety, and I just couldn't get at him. There was just no way in. He strung me out and just kept hitting me. And I remember looking at me right near the end of the fight because I wouldn't go down. He's like, "Are you stupid? Like, just <laughs> go down. I'm sick of punching you." Uh, he, he he was a big one. Chara fighting Chara yeah. was like a step ladder. Yeah, it's it's like a toddler fighting his dad. Yeah, just throwing you around and. 
his, his jabs hurt as much as most guys' punches. But the hardest I've ever been hit uh, is Darren McCarty. When I got traded oh, to Colorado, McCarty. yeah, and we played we played uh, Detroit the first time, and he's he's bigger than I am. He's probably thirty pounds heavier, but roughly the same height. And he's a lefty. So anytime you fight a lefty, you know there's going to be some bloodshed normally. And I walked into about 15 of those lefts. So he cut me open for 28 stitches, uh, broke my nose, ripped open my mouth. Wow. And a great dude. We, we played him a couple nights later. And I'm a mess. And we lined up beside each other. He goes, Barney, you, you don't want to go, do you? I was <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Not, not, a, not a fucking chance. I'm not going to fight you again and he's like good good uh, yeah i don't want to go i'm like what is your hand sore it's the only thing that can be sore so <laughs> it looks like you yeah. threw you a wood chipper <laughs> yeah yeah d-mac can throw it hard d-mac although, although darren mccarty is not exactly loved in philly for for his game winning goal but yeah, you know no. cup winning goal but you know. that, that was the the backhand forehand right yeah yeah, yeah. um last not thing a goalie, i could have stopped that uh, last thing for you matthew and we appreciate you taking the time i love talking to you i actually sat next to you my press box seat in 2010 in okay. Chicago was next to you and Steve Levy. So I got to watch okay. uh, the Flyers lose the cup with you <laughs> that year, uh, when you're doing your work for ESPN. Um, but last thing for you, um, put on your, uh, your, your hat and figure out who's going to win this cup. Who's going to win this cup? What's it going to take? Who's got an advantage? You talked about Elaine Vigneault coaches with experience, yeah. young players. I mean, you were coached with the Kitchener Rangers. You know what makes these young players tick? Who's going to win the cup? You know, my, my wild card is a team like Columbus, like a, a team that works hard. They got really healthy. I mean, they probably have seven more guys in the lineup um, than it would have had if they had started the playoffs on time. So I, I like Columbus. I, I just know John Tortorello will have them all fired up and ready to go. And yep. us and against the world speech. Yeah, he, he'll, he'll have them going. So they're, 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 my, they're, they're my dark horse in just watching them. I like Colorado a lot. They're, yeah, they're, Colorado you know, is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Ranton uh, returns. The, the East, you know, you're going to have the big guys at the East, and they're going to fight. And yeah. Boston looks like a really good team. That line oh, was yeah. dynamic. Pasternak was at a whole new level this year. But yeah. you give you give Colorado good goaltending, not even great goaltending, and I really think they're, they're, they're a powerhouse. They're young. They're fast. I don't think this break is going to hurt them as much as it might. Strong down the middle center wise too. Oh yeah. yeah. And they're, they're lightning fast. They're, yeah. they're, they move the puck on that power play. They, they play set. They're, they're never out of a game. So uh, I really like Colorado. Yeah. And they get that help from the back end. Kale McCarr. It's yeah. Their dynamic is, and Nathan McKinnon's a guy that's on that big stage and will be in that heart uh, balloting for sure. See, Jason, we spared you. We didn't talk about the New York jets. That could have been an hour long show yeah. just on that. Thank, yeah. I, I love Sam Darnold. We still need lots of help. Lots of help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, I'm dying. I, I want to get it back. I can't wait for them. They're on. They're in the step in the right direction. But again, I always said we have a chance at winning the division when Tom Brady retires. Now he didn't retire, but at least we're we're going to be a little bit more in the mix. There's three. You know, New England's still the best team in that in that division um, with all the other parts. Um, I think you know you got a brilliant. Buffalo's good. In, Buffalo's in really good. And Buffalo's yeah. Buffalo's really good defensively. Yeah. And yeah. and Josh Allen is is underrated. So he is. now there's lots of good quarterbacks in the AFC East. I love my Jets, but uh we're still a few years away. 
Yeah, yeah. I could see you hanging with that Bills Mafia up there at those tailgates, man. <laughs> Throwing yeah, people into tables and everything. You uh, fit right in, brother. Yeah, I, I, I would have 20 years ago, but now if I get slammed on a table, I'm not getting back up. Yeah, and that's going to really <laughs> screw up your golf game. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. Don't want that. Everything's about the golf game. I don't work out for five months. Once golf, I play my first golf game. This guy doesn't see a gym for five months. Are you walking or <laughs> carting? Because to me, golf becomes a sport when you walk, so I cart it, brother. Yeah, I like that. Um, it, all, it all depends. First, if I usually play like 27 or 36 holes, so I will cart, I will uh, walk the first 18, then I'll take a cart for the next nine or, or eight. Hey, that's good though. At least you're doing Load management. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Load management, just watching the body, right? So when I'm gambling in the back, I, I, I still have some energy. I don't want to blame or be tired and I'll just blame it on being tired. Yeah, you don't want to pull go. a muscle going for that wallet to pay up or cash in. <laughs> yeah, hey, now... Now it's just on your phone. It's e-transfers. <laughs> we make it real easy for people to lose money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you didn't bring your wallet? Venmo, we bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Matthew, hit him straight, man. Uh, we appreciate yeah, you guys. doing this. Thanks, this is Matt. a lot of fun, man. And uh, we're all chomping at the bit to get this game back on the ice. We'll see yep. if your prediction comes true. And uh, good luck with the golf game. Good luck with your kids. I know, I know they're trying to make their way. We'll be looking out for them. And, uh, and hopefully they have a great career. And uh, we appreciate you doing this on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. Keep up the uh, great work you guys do. And uh, it will be on. Maybe we'll be talking about the, the Stanley Cup winner in a few months. So uh, right. that is coming back. And thanks for having me on, boys. I appreciate it. Well, I knew he was going to be a good time. Oh, I already knew. I've hung out with Barnaby. Like, I know. Yeah, he's great. And the, the thing I was talking about with Matthew and the thing that the game's lacking right now, I wish there yeah. was a way to bring that element back in of, you know, the story, you know, the, the element of the hero versus the villain well, Marshawn, he's he right about Marshawn. Yeah, yeah, we always talk about Marshawn, those guys. And because you know what it is? You don't really talk about great finesse players a lot. So like McKinnon, Crosby, you know, you don't really talk about them that much. Yeah, they're fun to, you know, a guy like Crosby, obviously, in a city like Philadelphia, is there's a storyline there because sure. of the rivalry. But you're right. Nathan McKinnon comes to town. He's a draw because he's a great player. Yeah, but, you want to watch them play, but yeah, but no you also like there. to see guys get pummeled, and right. And Matthew was a guy, and he was so undersized to to do the right. things and stand up for himself because he wasn't a guy. There's a lot of guys that like Kenny Lindsman was the rat, right? He'd say all that yeah. stuff, and then somebody'd come in and fight his battle. Matthew fought his own battle a lot of times, and he was outclassed, and then he would go with heavyweights, and boy, that's that's no freaking joke, <laughs> you yeah. know, to be taking on guys like Donald Brashear. I mean, Stu Grimson was a killer. And well, in the year of the credit, he had one, two, three, four, five double-digit goal years, and the year he got 14, I remember him saying to me at the beginning of that year, I hope I can get 20. I really would love to get 20. Never did, yeah. though. Yeah, well, the thing is, too, is he was the guy that you love to hate, but if he was on your team, if he ever played in Philadelphia, oh, I mean, this, he could, he's been mentioned too. in those circles all the time. If the, the Flyer fans would have loved this, yes. the pot he stirred. They would have loved him. Yeah, it would have been great. So um, let's talk a few NHL awards. Yeah, because you, you got your ballot in. Are you ready to divulge uh, your voting? Yeah, I'll divulge a few things. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's. All right. Let's let's look at the awards. I'll then. divulge. Let's, I'll give you three. I'll divulge three categories. Okay, and now which and you ones can do choose you them. vote on? All right, so we vote on, and this is Masterson, Masterson aside, forget that. We okay. vote on the Hart, the Norris, the Calder, the Lady Bing, the Selkie, 
And then there's like all-star voting and rookie all-star voting and all that. Okay. So let, let's start, let's start with the lady Bing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who, who did you vote for there? My number one for the lady Bing was Austin Matthews. I think he had eight penalty minutes on the year guys out on the ice all the time. He's, he's taking sticks everywhere. Like, and, and he, you know, a lot of times the lady Bing now has become like fewest pims, but a lot of points. Yeah. You know, that's, we, we look at that. And so Matthews kind of fills both of those. Um, if you were voting for the Jack Adams, Russ, it's the broadcasters. Who would you vote for? Uh, it's tough. I, I was thinking it would be Vigneault or Torts. And in the end, I would probably give it to Vigneault because even though I knew he was going to do a good job, there was a lot of question about, hey, could he just come in and do what he did at all other places and turn around this team in his first year? Because that's what he was known for, and he did. And because he did, I think he deserves it. Yeah, and it'll be his second. He won it in uh, 2006, 2007. It'll be his fifth nomination as well, yeah. which is quite a bit. And uh, we'll see if he's able to capture that. Um, the Calder is really interesting. Has the Calder yes. finalist ever been all defensemen? Do you recall? Oof. No, I mean, you know, I don't it think is now. so. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a chance. It's not on my ballot, but I think there's a chance. Okay. Um, but again – Going back to the days when someone like Barrett Jackman won, who was a defensive defenseman, that's never going to happen again. Not in today's game. Not in today's game. Dude. So the fact that this has happened, I'm not completely shocked. And just to give a, a commercial um, for Father's Day, Sticks and Stones, Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are in this book. Some great okay. hockey, college hockey stories. But anyhow. So did you flip a coin and go with McCarr or did you go with Quinn Hughes? No, I went Quinn, Quinn Hughes. Um, I think McCarr, had he not gotten injured, could have won it, but yeah. I think there's some things that don't show up on the stat sheet for Hughes. The way he brings the puck up the ice, and and I wrote about this long time ago and said that I thought he was a generational player. The way he brings it up the ice and dissects what's going to happen, and he knows exactly what he's going to do with it and where where the openings are. McCarr does that well too, but not like Quinn Hughes. And I think Quinn Hughes is actually revolutionizing revolutionizing the position just how fast he could process the information and do that. Yeah. And if you think about it, he's not only a guy who could win the Calder, or I voted him for to win it, but he's one of the top 10, 15 best defensemen already. Yeah. And he's still young and his body's not fully matured out yet either. Correct. He is in, in both those guys, McCarr and, and Quinn yeah. Hughes. The skating on both of them is just oh. unbelievable. Yeah. They, they don't skate. They float on the ice. It's amazing. And the power and, play, if you think of the Canucks power play now, they have Patterson. But when, when Hughes got there, it, it got so much better. Yeah. And he's a big reason for the resurgence of that club too in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Jacob Markstrom as well, who uh, I know you guys don't vote on the Vesna, but – um and GMs do, which I, I still don't understand why the GMs vote on, on that particular trophy. But uh, Yeah, I'm not me, sure either. You know, I've never asked. I don't know um, the answer to that. Uh, the other thing about the Calder is, so my third was Kubelik. I love okay. Adam Fox. I do. But we got to remember, Dominique Kubelik scored 30 goals. Yeah, that's yeah, no joke. Um, what about the Norris? This looked like a foregone conclusion earlier in the season that it was going to John Carlson. At this point, it, it, did Carlson hang on? He did not hang on for me. Even though preseason, if you remember, that's who I went with. 
it got hard. I gave it to Roman Yossi, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. The production, now, John Carlson had 10 more points. I get yeah. it. It's easy to say, well, John Carlson had 10 more points, and he blocks a lot of shots. I've always pointed that out. But Yossi is a better defender. Nobody's going to argue that. And actually, you could argue that Yossi is actually more important to the offense of the Nashville Predators because they don't have a lot of offense. Yeah, yeah, no, Washington's that's a good point. Embarrassment of riches. They have yeah, embarrassment you, of riches on offense. And yeah, so you just shuffle it over to Ovechkin for the one timer, and that helps as well. The production for his time on the ice for Yossi for Nashville is critical or was critical this year. So you and he logged a lot of minutes. Yeah, so you went Yossi. Do. Okay, uh, how about the Selkie? And I know Flyer fans will be uh, tuned in here. Did you uh, a lot go of with uh, Patrice Bergeron or uh, Sean Couturier? All right. Well, this is interesting because a lot of people asked me this and I would not give out my answer before the ballot closed. I can't. So all I could tell people on Twitter was, yes, Sean Couturier is on my ballot. And he's been on my ballot before. Yes, Sean Couturier was my number one. Patrice Bergeron was my number two. Now, you, I want you to try and guess who my number three was. Mark I don't Stone. Think you, no, Stone was on my – I actually had Stone to win it last year. Because, and again, that's always something different, right? We have a, a winger, but no, it's not Mark Stone. It is another center. It is another center. It's not O'Reilly? It is not. Ryan O'Reilly was fifth for me this year. Barkov was, was fourth. Hmm. I gave a nod to somebody who I don't think gets enough credit for penalty killing, for important minutes against other teams, good players. Hmm. Plays out west. And plays in the West. Uh, Nathan McKinnon. No. <laughs> He's not a penalty killer. Uh, I don't know. Who do you got? Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the Nuge. Oh, wow. Okay. Could be I a lot of hardware going to that Oilers so team. Much, yeah. I, well, he's, he's gotten so much better in that area. Hmm. Okay. We'll see if he ends up as one of the finalists. Uh, so you went Couturier, Bergeron, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, and then I also then Barkov and O'Reilly. Okay. Uh, look, a lot of great players there. No question about it. Uh, now the one that uh, is... Uh, so you want all of them out of me. I said I'd give you three. You're already at four. All right, I'll give you the fifth. Go ahead. We got to go. go to the heart uh, because this is where it's... Uh, it's a year where it's very interesting for the heart and it's a little different because usually when you vote for it, you know the 16-team playoff field and I'm not sure yes. how you weight a playoff team versus not a playoff team, uh, but you have 24 teams that are actually returning to play how does that play into it? And where do you end up going with the heart? I threw away what, what is happening with the playoffs. I did. Mm -hmm. I just went with production alone, what they mean to the team. So my number five was Artemi Panarin. Amazing year. Like, wow. well, I mean, you look at this field and, and it's very hard to put Panarin ahead of a lot of these other guys. He's worthy. He's, I put him as a finalist, but yeah, I, mean, I would four, put him a little higher than five, to be honest with well, you. Well, case the next guy in, he could be the, the winner. The next guy in is Nathan McKinnon. There's a chance that they all could win. Yeah. So I got McKinnon in there. And again, McKinnon did great with the injuries, injuries mm -hmm. on the club. He carried him through just a transformative player. Always has been McDavid third. Okay. So, I mean, you know, are, are you, you're going to tell me Pinara was better than McDavid? I mean, that's, you know, that's... Yeah, that's, I mean, the, the tough, thing that, that hurts McDavid this this time is Leon Dreisaitl, and I'm just wondering if he's number one or he's number two on your list. I'm suspecting he's number one. He is number 
number two. Oh, he's number the two. Leon Dreisaitl is number two on my list. All right. So where did you go number one? Did you go pasta? David Pasternak. Wow. I did. 48 goals on the year, 95 points. And I'll tell you why. I know everybody goes, well, you know, they're, what would the Bruins be without Patrice Bergeron? And that is true. But you even said it. You actually, you didn't even realize you said it at the beginning of the show, or maybe it was on another show I was on. I can't remember how Pasternak has transformed himself this year, and, and he has. And I think I remember telling you the couple times they came in, you could now hear his shot throughout the building when he shoots it on a goalie. It's that hard. And that goal scoring didn't come just because, you know, hey, everybody sort of helped out David Pasternak and it's easy for him to score. David Pasternak got a lot of goals on his own. And, yeah. and he is a terrific player. He is an elite player. I think he's been building towards it. I really do. Mm -hmm. And so I went with Pasternak. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you, you got to weigh, obviously, that line, the effect of that line mm -hmm. and how great – I mean, it's, it's been for a while now with Marchand, Bergeron. And still got to score, though, right? You still yeah, gotta and, he's a, and, and you're right in the sense, too. He's an elite finisher. It's not he just is. backdoor goals and the product no. of that line being great. I mean, you see him finish on his own off the break. He, he scores every which way. 48 this year. I mean, you have um, to ask – here's the question – and for the people that might be shaking their head and don't like my pick, whatever, ask yourself the question, what, the, what would that line be without Pasternak this year? Yeah. No, no it, it's, you're absolutely right. And you, but you, so I think some people wait the heart and go, what would that team be without that player? Where in those years where you looked at McDavid's numbers and you saw a guy that was – when it was, all the Oiler goals, he was involved in like 0.67% of them, which is an absurd number. You know, okay. anything ever – you know, four – is it 0. So, 0.40 is an absurd, absurd so Bergeron was second on that team in goals he was 17 behind him yeah now, now he's your finisher and he's a power play weapon and he can do it five yeah. on five you're look it, I understand why you have him in they're your all top worthy three. of winning all yeah. those five I mentioned are all to me all could win yeah, this, this is one of those years, Russ, where it's not a runaway guy. Like, you can look no. at Dreisaitl and the points and go, okay, but, but it's not just about that. It's not just about points. And Dreisaitl yeah. was great this year. Yeah, he, he absolutely was. I mean, look, when you got, can put up the points that Dreisaitl and McDavid does, and it's no wonder that that Edmonton team, team is having a lot more success and oh, yeah. getting good coaching to put them in a position. There's no wonder why. Um, and we'll see how they fare in the playoffs. And uh, that series that they're going to be playing is going to be really intriguing. I just think that they end up over overpowering a team like Chicago. You would think they would. I think, well, the problem, there's two problems. If, if Crawford were to get hurt, it's Malcolm Subban backing him up. That's, yeah. that's not Robin They Lanner, traded so Robin Lanner, yeah. Right. So that's, that's one thing. So if Crawford's off, they're in trouble. And honestly, after you get through – the best three defensemen on Chicago, and I'm not even sure Duncan Keith is one of them, but I guess you have to say he is. He's not the same guy. He's not even close. Yeah. And that, to me, is the big, bad matchup problem. Chicago could score goals. Edmonton could score goals. But Edmonton's defense is a lot better than Chicago's. Darnell Nurse is better than anybody on Chicago. Clefbaum yeah. is better than anybody on Chicago's blue line. Yeah. Like, they – you know, that is a problem. Now – if Chicago somehow can magically add Ian Mitchell, who came out of college and signed, that would help them. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to. I think that's going to count towards next year. So I got to give Edmonton the edge on that. And their penalty killing Edmonton is a lot better than Chicago. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it, it, I can't wait to see these games and, and see the teams get back at it in the round we're robin. All, we're all waiting, man. It's just, yeah. you know, you, and you saw Matt. Matt is as excited as we are just to be able to see some hockey again. And it's getting close. Yeah, it's getting closer. And, and the thing, I keep waking up and thinking – I'm reading these headlines and it says MLB and all the issues they're having. And I'm, and I'm thinking, is that's NHL or MLB? <laughs> Cause that's well, usually the, the way of the NHL, but the, the way in which Donald fear who represents the players and Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and, and everybody, the owners, the players, and possibly at least the framework for a new CBA coming out of this is nothing short of stunning considering the history of this league. Anytime a CBA has been up under Gary Bettman, they've had a stoppage. Yeah, I've always had tremendous respect for Donald Fear. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote about him in a book. I mean, in a book called Strike Three, and you know, you could figure out what that was about. And but but he's he's great at his job. But but the players wanted Donald Fear, right? They asked him to help. And actually, you know, we all, all thought, well, league's in trouble now. And Gary Bettman adapted with Donald Fear without pro- without any issue, and they do get along really well. I think the difference, if you want to say what the difference is between baseball and hockey, the difference is I think hockey played a, had much more respect for their players throughout the whole process where baseball, yeah. it's just been about money. And then after the money got away from it, it's like, okay, well, what about our health and safety? It's like the NHL – handled those kinds of things so much it seemed like the baseball players weren't very informed and that's you know that's half the reason to have harmony is just good part is unfortunate because i grew up being a baseball fan first before hockey and and i think it's unfortunate that i think there's a lot more hockey players that are willing to risk their health we know everybody's risking their health any sport you play you're risking your health in some way shape. there are more hockey players that are willing that are willing to do that for the Stanley Cup than there are baseball players willing to do it for, you know, the World Series trophy. Yeah, especially in what would be considered uh, a 50-game season would be somewhat illegitimate, uh, in my yeah. view, and a lot of other people's. And that's a, big, that's a big issue, too. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, all these things are, are trending right for them. Look, there's going to be hiccups along the way. There's still going to be a few hiccups before everything gets going, but the fact that they have dates, we're going to hear about the hub cities. We know Vegas is one. It looks like Toronto probably will be the other. And... Yes, they're going to switch the west and the east, which is fine. So, so the, the Flyers will go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I think that's good because, again, think about it. If, if Toronto, the team, actually did play in their home city, not only would they have an edge at the, at the arena, but the other problem is there'd be a lot of people trying to sneak a peek, watch it, hang around the uh, area, hang around the practice facility. And right now they don't want that. Yeah, and so they, that's they an easy to, way to unplug that. Yeah, and and look with with them not traveling or anything and game times, and it's it's yeah. going to be interesting to see the staggered games and days and when there's yeah, we're four NHL see like one games. There's going to be like one o'clock games, but again, yep. there's a lot of people working at home, and and we'll still be working at home in, in even in a month. Yeah, there's a lot of people out of work, unfortunately, and they're going to have a chance to watch games, and I think this league will take advantage of that. And again, like what's what's NBC showing at a, at one o'clock on a, I don't know on a Thursday that's going to be better than a live hockey game? Nothing. When everybody's thirsting for sports at, at a level that uh, right. we've never seen before. Yeah, it's it's a right. great point. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But uh, that's going to put a wrap on episode number eighty-two. Martin Straka, nice work, Ross. Martin Straka, it's a great one. 
Uh, and we'll be back for episode 83. Everybody, in the meantime, stay healthy. Uh, hockey's coming. We got a date. July 10th is getting closer and closer when the teams report for camp and games not far behind. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey Podcast. <laughs>